Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here with our new guest host, Hung. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing, Luki? I'm fantastic as always. So Hong comes to us with a background in careers and also marketing, volunteering, and uh, she's going for her yoga certification soon. So if you were to say what you're up to these days, what are you doing now? For sure. Thanks for having me here, Luki. Um, I am a career coach, like Luki mentioned. I'm currently working at Randstad Rysmart, where I help uh, professionals who have been laid off. And I also have my private practice as well. Um, Luki mentioned I'm in the process of completing my yoga teaching certification, so I still have the homework and the exam to get done, and then I will be certified. Sounds good. So obviously that's what you're doing now, but that's not necessarily how you started. So I'd love if we rewound the, the clock and went back in time and talk a little bit about yourself as a kid. So what were you like growing up? Uh, what were some early fond childhood memories? Mm-hmm, for sure. As a kid... Um, I would describe myself as a very um, energetic, a curious mm-hmm. uh, kid. Um, I was always the one in class putting their hand up, always wanting to share. Or sometimes teachers would be like, "Hung, it's not, it's not time to share right now." Um, and I've always been curious about people. Um, I've always loved being able to, I guess. In as a kid, my favorite subjects were uh, art, drama, um, or really ways where I could uh, be creative and express myself and learn more about people. Sounds good. And you mentioned before off camera that the family influences uh, kind of had a different path for you or uh, the, the thought. So not necessarily on the art side. So if you can talk a little bit about uh, kind of the the. Um, influences along the way and, and what were kind of the, the expectations for you growing up uh, in, as you went through, I guess, your, your schooling? Definitely. I think um, maybe part of the reasons why I felt a little bit awkward or different as a kid is because uh, I have a very interesting upbringing or traditional for some Asian um, Canadians who can relate. Uh, my parents were very strict and traditional um, and they're also very Roman Catholic so my parents had met in a hospital when they were uh, working in Vietnam. And so growing up, I really thought my only two paths in life were to be a doctor, because that's what my parents wanted for me, or to be a nun, because I grew up um, very involved in the church. Um, so the things that I enjoyed were a little bit different from what they expected of me. Sounds good. And if you can describe a little bit more about that journey. So in, uh, I guess, high school, did they kind of uh, steer you towards like the, the STEM path and say, hey, look at all these great science uh, courses to become a doctor or something, or look at these theology courses to <laughs> become a nun, or, or what were those influences like uh, as you were kind of growing up and trying to get into the decision to, to get into careers? Because it's always interesting to see here what, what the career path of a career professional <laughs> is as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in high school, I took as much of the advanced placements or enriched classes as possible. Uh, first, because it was encouraged by my parents, but also maybe it was a little bit of a safe space for my very nerdish, uh, nerdy self. 
Um, so I took enriched science. I took physics, but I was really bad. I think I only took grade 11 physics. Um, and I suffered in math. My parents had to hire a private tutor for me, and I do not think that was a good investment. Um, so at the path of going into university, I had applied for science programs, arts and science programs, which is the happy middle for parents, and then arts and business, which is what I was interested in since it was more um, broad and could give me um, more time or more options to choose from. So you ultimately chose arts and business. And can you describe a little bit about like that journey, that process, or, or more the, the conversation you had with mom and dad? It's like, surprise, mom and dad, this is what I'm choosing instead. Uh, how, how did that conversation go? Definitely. It was a hard conversation. Um, some of it was also, I don't think my grades are high enough to get into the pure science program. Um, I did get into the arts and science program. Um, as for arts and business, I chose that because uh, it had a very um, good or competitive co-op program where I knew that I would be able to work my way um, into different experiences and have a real life experience before graduating, um, as well as be able to uh, financially pay my way through school as well so that I wouldn't need to be um, dependent on my parents. Um, I think I was very stubborn. Um, I had told them that I had lived 17 years of my life according to what they wanted. And for me at 18, that was the pivotal moment to mark myself as a adult. So uh, it was, there, there was times when we fought or we didn't talk for a bit. Um, but I think afterwards, my parents were able to at least just give me the space um, to develop into my own person. Yeah, I find that most parents, they just want their kids to be successful. And, and in their view, success is like the doctor, lawyer, accountant, engineer, that sort of thing. But there are many paths to success. And uh, if you can kind of chart your own course and give your parents the confidence level that you can be successful, uh, that that's useful. And, and I guess having that co-op placement uh, is, is one step because you'll be more financially independent. You wouldn't have to rely on them and they wouldn't have to uh, kind of work out their hard-earned <laughs> cash to continue to support you as you figure stuff out versus and, and do stuff that they don't necessarily support um, and and kind of go down that path. So I'd love if you shared a little bit about the, that path in, in arts and business. So you were interested on the people side, um, you kind of pushed off the, the doctor nun <laughs> expectations there. So what was the thought in, in terms of uh, getting into arts and business? Was there like a career path that you had in mind that you were gunning towards or like was it exploratory where uh, I think you mentioned you, you, you traveled quite a bit? Uh, what was that, what was that uh, exploration uh, path like during the university um, process? Definitely. When I was in the English and business program, I noticed some of my um, peers just a year or two ahead of me that they were very successful in getting marketing mm. internships. I thought, okay, that's a place where I could place my skills. It's employable as well. It uses a lot of the creativity that I enjoy as well. So for my four co-ops in university, they were in marketing. Um, and I was fortunate for, or I guess very strategic <laughs> in my co-ops. I purposely chose ones that were further away okay. from home because I lived at home during university so that I could have that space um, to find myself a little bit more. Um, it's funny because my first um, co-op term was not in marketing. I, I couldn't get a marketing 
internship, I had a career uh, advisor assistant mm. one at University of Waterloo. Um, I thought it was a stepping stone to help me uh, get to where I wanted to be in marketing. But as as you see or where I am right now, it's been very much a full <laughs> cycle journey. Sounds good. So if you, you talk a lot about talk a little bit about uh, that process, because I know folks that are in internship programs, co-op programs, it's always the first job that's the most challenging one because you have like zero experience and you're competing against all these other students with experience or different degrees and things like that. Uh, could you talk to us a little bit about like that process where unfortunately you didn't land <laughs> what you wanted? Uh, what was the process to kind of make the most of, of that situation? Definitely. One of the people that had interviewed me, um, it was for another position at the university in a student leadership program. While I didn't get the role, um, I did ask for feedback and they gave me tips to help improve my my interview. Um, so I, I gained more confidence there, which I applied for my interview uh, with the career advisor assistant program. Um, as well, I learned that no matter what first role that you have, it's really important for you to look at what you did gain so that you can market yourself for future roles. Sounds good. Um, I, I also worked part-time during the university. I worked at a local insurance office. I was the office associate um, or first receptionist. And um, through things like outbound calls, <laughs> I was the annoying person calling people for insurance votes. Um, I think it really helped me just be more comfortable talking to lots of different people or not be afraid to sell and fail ultimately, but just be able to fail forward and put myself out yeah, there. Yeah, I think those roles in, in sales are, are very uh, under underrated in the sense that, I mean, people don't like those calls from folks trying to sell them insurance, stock cleaning and this and that. But at the same time, on the other side, it, it uh, can build a lot of character, build a lot of resilience and, and tenacity in terms of uh, continually calling, continually being rejected, <laughs> and then having to to go back and do yeah. that over and over again, which uh, is is a great uh, personal development tool, professional development tool. And uh, one thing that I also noted is is you looked around you and took a look at people who were successful, and you tried to uh, model that success. So that was on the marketing side, and you saw a natural attraction there. You you got it. Uh, well, at least you headed in that direction. Um, it didn't quite turn out exactly as you'd hope, but you use that in order to, uh, I guess, um, turn it into something a little bit more beneficial there. So I'd love you to share a couple of more on the uh, internship. So you you are now in this marketing path and you've done a couple of them and, and you made it exactly as you wanted. Uh, but obviously we know there's a twist to it because it didn't quite you didn't quite continue in the marketing side. But what were some of the good learnings um, or, or things that you'd want to share with with uh, younger hung uh, during those years or during those months as, as you went to your marketing internships? Definitely. Um, I think a tip I learned from my insurance manager was to use my selling skills to get my okay. marketing internship. Um, so what I did to land my first marketing internship was I didn't rely on being one of the how many students within the school's job board but I had mm. picked up the phone. I had called um, the uh, Alcatel Lucent, which is now owned by Nokia office in Ottawa, where I wanted to work. Um, I tried to sound very confident. I said I was calling from University of Waterloo, just said student very quietly. And I had uh, reached the HR who transferred me to um, 
the current marketing co-op student and we we happened to have um, something common of growing up in the same hometown and she forwarded me to the marketing manager. So I was able to use my, <laughs> I guess, selling skills or phone skills from insurance to land that first one. Um, so I guess, like you mentioned, sometimes those unglamorous skills can help you um, get to where you want to be. Um, something I do wish I knew earlier um, in my early 20s doing marketing that it's it's good to lean into your strengths um, as soon as possible in order to make impact. So growing up, I was always self-conscious that I, I wasn't good um, at the things that sometimes other people like my parents or what I thought was valuable in business, like um, numbers mm. don't come naturally to me at all um, when looking at marketing analytics or stats. Um, and, and that's okay um, to really lean into my strengths, for example, of building relationships. Um, what instead. I took from that is that there's a quote mm -hmm. where it's not, it's not about how smart you are, it's about how are you smart. Right, because everybody is smart in their different ways. So some people with numbers, some people with people, some people with uh, picking up the phone and calling. <laughs> and then if you can leverage those skills, then if you're better than than other folks, that's that's what people pay for. That's what people hire for. That's why uh, you, you become successful in in one field versus an, another. Right, and uh, don't be afraid to play to those strengths. Uh, and if you can eventually turn that into something that you love, well, all, all the better. But um, it, go, it goes a long way where even calling someone, I mean, who uses a telephone for for calling anymore? <laughs> so you're just texting and, and just checking social media. Mm -hmm. But uh, there are folks where the, the value is still there and sometimes using um, means that, that are a little bit less traditional will help you stand out, right? Because if you're just like everybody else, you're just like everybody else. So if you use something a little bit different, then that can help you potentially land your first or next or whatever internships or full-time jobs and what have you. So I love that you continued on the journey. So so you're now gone through a couple of your marketing internships, you have your learnings and, and then you graduate and, and you're now in the working world. Was there a job waiting for you? Was was it an easy transition into the working world or what was that process like? I decided to, again, the theme of developing <laughs> myself, move far away from home. Um, my, with my partner, um, he had a chance for a promotion um, either out west or in Montreal. And although I speak conversational French, he, him not so much. And we both love nature. So we decided to move out west to Calgary. Um, there I was able to um, get my first uh, marketing communications lead job. And um, I think at that point in my career, I focused on a lot of the extrinsic values, like how it looked very glamorous. I got to go to fancy conferences or be put flown in a plane and stay in hotels and get lots of swag. Um, and while I was doing that, I was really missing the relationship building part. And there was a time when the company wasn't doing so well and I was the youngest and one of the newest hires and I was uh, let go. And that was a great time for me to do a lot of soul searching and talk to, um, I guess, people I trusted or my former career coach um, colleagues, um, through talking to them, I realized that the the job that came the most natural to me that I enjoyed the most was actually my very first um, co-op um, internship or my first career advisor assistant. 
uh, role. And so I, I try to think about ways to get back into oh, that and field. So it was a little bit of, uh, well, serendipity, I guess, <laughs> uh, things beyond your control, which said, hey, you know what? You're loving this, but you're not loving it for the right reasons. So how about we uh, point you back into the path where maybe you'll be more uh, aligned. So sometimes the universe um, does things in your, in your favor, even though it, it might not seem at that point in time. And, and I think I, I saw a LinkedIn post where you said that, that you got let go and it ended up being like one of the best things that could have happened to you, which uh, I'd love folks to kind of internalize and say that sometimes the event, the activity, whatever, that's that's the worst thing can end up being the, the best thing and possibly vice versa, where the best thing could actually be not so great in the long run. Um, so you always have to put in context and, and it's really about you putting the meaning behind it. That That's the most important part. So um, I, I'd love you to share a little bit about that process to get back or get into the uh, career advising world. So if you had a taste of it in, in university and did you go back to school? Did, did you get recertified or what was that process? Was it, was it easy or difficult to, to get into that new path? Sure. I had a lot of um, yeah. coffee chats or informational interviews with uh, professionals um, that I admired or those that my colleagues had suggested to me. And through the chats with them, I asked them what was the most um, important parts of schooling that they did so that I could quickly research that on my own, um, even without going through a program. Um, as well, I used all of the resources that were available um, I saw that there was a volunteer recruiter career coach um, at the library where you could do drop-ins and they could take a look at um, so my resume and cover letter. And he mentioned, although I was a very strong communicator with my cover letter, he said that sometimes in a market where people are trying to get information mm. quickly, it might be helpful to do a T-format cover letter um, where it's just side-by-side -side, quickly saying what they want, what my qualifications are. And I had applied for a facilitator role at a um, career services agency. It just so happened that that hiring manager's favorite type of cover letter <laughs> was a T-format cover letter. because She's someone who's very direct. Um, and during the interview process, I learned that I was the only person mm. who mentioned watching their promotional video that they had about the new office. And... In those little details, um, I was able to really stand out and get my first Sounds uh, good. So development. I think it went back to uh, doing things that stand out, right? Because if you're doing what the normal, normal, quote unquote, people do, just apply uh, the, the regular cover letters, regular resume, you'll be like everybody else. But if you're going, call it the extra mile, and it's not really the, the extra mile, it's just watching promotional videos, getting to know the company, learning a little bit more about what you're getting yourself into. That goes a long way and and being meant, um, prepared for the the interviews and getting some advice and uh, leveraging all the resources because I think there are so many resources out there provided by schools, by the government, by not-for-profits or whatever. If folks take a, a minute to look, there are so many different ones. Now, not all of them are created equal, right? Um, but at the same time, uh, take, take uh, a, a shot and see if it works for you and then hopefully that'll turn into something healthy. So it seemed... A little bit serendipitous again <laughs> that just happens that she loved the the, the t letter type um, things and then you mentioned the right words but uh, all of it seems to have worked in your favor and then you landed that first job in career advising and then uh you walk us through kind of the, the path uh through careers and then into where you are right now 
definitely. During that first uh, full-time role, I tried to learn as much as I could. So I um, volunteered for all the extra events. Um, I, in my free time, I think in one term or maybe half the year, I did like 16 additional different workshops. Um, Although I, or took on from other professionals, instead of doing things the traditional school route way, I I find I learned better with experiential or just like shorter um, learning. And with my Works Professional Development Fund, um, I strategically chose it towards the Career um, Professionals of Canada certification. Um, it's funny because I, I looked at their budget and I told my boss, um, oh, I only have enough for this much. And she she was a manager that really supported me. She was a great mentor. She saw the potential in me and she appreciated um, the type of energy and impact that I brought to work. And she's like, no, let me see what else I can do. Um, so she was able to, I guess, get approval from HR or her managers higher up for additional funds for me. So I was able to get um, my courses paid for through. Yeah, it reminds me of a quote, uh, something to the effect of if you do more than you're paid, then you get paid more for what you do, right? So a lot of folks are just, no, it's not on the job description, not going to do it, right? Versus the folks that say, you know what? Let me use this opportunity to learn, do more things, showcase my my energy, my eagerness. And sometimes you you get courses paid for, <laughs> maybe a bonus, maybe a promotion, maybe a whatever it is uh, along the way. And I think that uh, just kind of goes to show where uh, the, a positive attitude or a good attitude can go a, a long way. Um, so you've had a couple of roles in the career space since then. Um, and if you can walk us through a couple of uh, the lessons learned uh, in there or advice you'd give to your younger self and maybe if we go into like the volunteer side because i know you've been very active on, on the volunteer side and, and how did some of that uh work help you in, in kind of your career journey um i'd say for volunteering um it really showed me that i am a person outside of my employer as well so really the importance of having a personal brand and being able to make an impact in your community. Um, so when I was going to different events and from people getting to know me, they started inviting me to volunteer at um, different uh, immigrant associations to help newcomers with their um, networking or their professional brand. Um, and it was something that I really valued. So I guess the the takeaway from that is um, if there's something that you really enjoy doing um do as much of it as possible or when i was enjoying the things that i was um, doing at work i I felt like i was getting paid to learn um so (laughs) really um take that time when you're at work or when you're volunteering so that it's an investment in yourself so it's it's a win-win both for yourself and your employer or your community um as well when I moved over to Calgary, I didn't have um, many friends mm-hmm. there, so I joined the Young Woman in Business Network. Um, there, I was able to really increase my confidence as well, sitting on a board, quickly getting connected to lots of different associations, meeting um, business leaders where I've been able to invite them for different fundraisers or events. Um, which helped me in my career as a career coach, connecting different clients um, to other people. Or um, 
again, that personal and professional development. Yeah. I, I mean, it's one of those things where I'm a huge advocate of volunteering and, and I encourage folks to volunteer for causes or for areas that, that they are uh, passionate and interested about uh, versus volunteering for the sake of volunteering, right? Or it, that kind of shows. So you, you show up and you just do the work versus, hey, I actually love career advising. Hey, I actually love marketing. I actually love whatever it is. And when that comes out, oh, your the connections that you build and and the performance that you have is is just so much better. Um, so I love how you kind of contextualize that. And now, obviously, you mentioned that that you're with with uh, Randstad and and you've had a couple of career uh, advising or career uh, development positions in, in the meantime. Um, uh, were there any particular learnings uh, during those past ones that that you you took from? Um, the, the various more recent uh, career development uh, roles that you had? <laughs> Definitely. I'd say as someone in the helping profession, well, it's really important to be able to um, also value your, I guess, look at your energy levels or um, really value your boundaries. As someone who who loves mm. volunteering, giving back, there is a time when I was very burnt out. Um or especially um, when I was working with Conestoga College in person, it was more front-facing, almost social services adjacent since we were serving um, the public. And um, I realized that I, I might not have all of those tools and to look at where I can thrive and where I could prioritize my health as well. So I, I really enjoy um, remote work now where I'm able to have a better schedule or work-life balance for myself. Um, so through, I guess, learning, trying different roles or learning things the hard way and able to um, look at mm -hmm. when my cup is flowing or overflowing, that's when it's the best time um, to help others rather than trying to help when you're... you're yeah, I think it's highlighting the importance of, of self-care, right? Negative. Because as you mentioned, if, if your cup, uh, there's nothing in the cup, <laughs> you can't really pour it into others, especially those... In roles where you're you're serving others and and sometimes have to deal with the challenges or the problems that they have and and you don't want to internalize and take it upon themselves so getting the tools for you to manage all that would be helpful and again making sure that self-care is prioritized can be super helpful and self-care for you because some folks they might love the in-person interaction and they want to be with people versus identifying you know what i'd rather be remote and have my own time that that sort of thing uh and is very contextual to each individual um so as we kind of and end off the, the podcast. I'd love if you shared uh, some of your swike. I know we already went through a whole bunch, but if there's any specific ones that you want to highlight or any ones that you weren't able to mention and want to include. So what would you tell uh, young Hung, uh, I guess, in high school, university, or throughout the, the process um, of your career journey? What are some of the stuff you wish you knew earlier that you'd share? I mentioned earlier really leaning into your strengths. Um, for myself, taking uh, the Strengths Finder assessment, I think at my first uh, full-time career development role, where they used it into my performance review, it was really life-changing. Where I've been kind of using that as pillars throughout the rest of my roles. Um, so to <laughs> lean into your strengths, to not judge yourself for lacking other strengths that you see other people have. Um, another one is. I think when I was younger, I might have perceived, oh, it, it was a waste to go into marketing or to to do things in a non-linear way when really it's that journey and process that's valuable, um, that it, it doesn't matter um, how you do things, but mm. it, 
it matters more so um, the meaning that you bring to it, like you mentioned, or are you are you happy with the any result of where you are? Um, so not judging yourself for doing things in a different way. That as long as you get there, sounds like some uh, some great ones. So in reverse order, it's all that, that matters. Quote: uh, Life's about the journey, not the destination. And I love what you said about the the meaning that you give it, right? Because uh, again, I always go into the quote side, but like for there's nothing good or bad, but thinking makes it so. So. Uh, if we take your your the fact that you were let go, well, that could be horrible, or it could be the best thing ever, right? As as you contextualized it, and uh, taking a look at um, assessments like StrengthsFinder, right? And with with StrengthsFinder, one of the things that people don't understand is uh, strengths are neither good or bad; they're just something that you you a tendency or or the way that you operate. So the fact that you're quote unquote lacking certain ones shouldn't be a detriment; should be uh, more of a hey, how do I take what I do have? And, and make um, whatever career potential I can out of this versus being jealous or, or wanting these other ones that other people have. So I think a lot of that is great. And highly encourage the, the Strengths Finder or any of those other assessments. And less about the label that it gives you, but more about how you react to it and, and how uh, you can do something. So, well, thanks so much, Hong Forge, for sharing your, your story. And if you can share a little bit of your future aspirations, I know you mentioned the, the yoga certification. And uh, where can folks reach out to you if they want to connect with you? For sure. Um, I know I mentioned that I'm working remotely now. I do love the flexibility or being able to travel. Um, I would like to have some more (laughs) in-person interactions. So not every day, maybe once a week or a couple of times a month um, through workshops or facilitation. That's something that I'm working on as well as in the future. I'd love to... Um, run essentially some very experiential retreats for people to do activities. Maybe I'll combine yoga into it or some of my creative writing side as well. Who knows? So I'm sure there's a way to put things together. Um, as for how folks can reach out to me, um, I'd love to connect with them on LinkedIn. Um, if you search my name, Hung Vo. We'll definitely include that information um, in the show. Fine, so thanks again, Hung, for sharing your, your story and uh, all the, the, swipe, the stuff I wish on you earlier. And hopefully we'll have you back for a future episode. Yeah, thank you so much, Luki. I love all the quotes that you had. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.